I spent some time in Portland, Oregon's West End. It's a place with hip boutiques, national chains, historic buildings, food carts, local restaurants, and they're all vying for your attention. It's a small area with a lot going on. You're listening to Where We Buy, the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. This is the show where we talk with retail experts and visit shopping spots across the nation. I was in Portland to speak at an Urban Land Institute event. And while I was there, I set aside an afternoon to explore the city's West End neighborhood. I met up with Trisha Raich. Trisha heads up JLL Research for the Western U.S., and she works out of Portland. When I got to her office, Trisha handed me this. It's a map. Check this out. It's every notable retailer and development in West End, and there are a ton. If you've been to Portland, you've probably been to Powell's City of Books. And if you haven't, you really need to go there right now. It's a city of books. So looking at our map, Powell's sits on the northern boundary of the West End District. And the West End runs five blocks south of Powell's, and it's about six blocks wide. It's a small area, but there was a ton to see, and I didn't know if we were going to have time to see it all. We had one afternoon to see historic retailers, old restaurants, new local food spots. There were unique boutiques. And then all of these historic buildings that have now been adapted to modern uses. This is the brewery blocks. And um, this is really one of the catalytic developments for the Pearl District. And the Pearl District is the north end of the West End Shopping District. So we're crossing Burnside, and the West End Shopping District is from Burnside down to Columbia. Um, But Powell's books and the brewery blocks sort of anchor this north end of the West End Shopping District. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the... The brewery blocks is a five-block redevelopment that was a former Blitz Weinhardt brewery, actual actual brewery, and it um, was redeveloped into two office buildings, a retail and office building, an apartment building, and a condo. How long, and how long Powell has been here for? Since 1971 is when Powell's opened. The largest independent bookstore left in America and it is a full city block. There are some areas where it's four stories. You go up to the fourth floor and find vegan cooking books in Swahili. I mean, like, I don't know, like the craziest (laughs) subsections in that in that bookstore. It's a beautiful day in Portland, Oregon. It is why Portland, when when the sun comes out, everybody comes out and is pretty happy. So this is pretty much the spine of the West End District. We're on 12th Street. And here are the trucks. The West End, um, it's a pretty good mix of um, 
really local food and shopping. A few nationals thrown in there, but you can find someone, a, a, an organization or a shop that's been here for 40 years next to something brand new. And so there's a pretty good mix of grit and not grit. Many of the new storefronts in Portland are taken up by this growing list of local restaurants. Trisha had promised to take us to Tasty and Older. Everybody was talking about their brunch menu. And we were there early to be sure we wouldn't have any trouble getting in. So what's up? So, of course, we came at 11.15, Tasty and Alder, and there's a 45-minute wait. I thought if we came this early, we would be able to get in. But luckily, they have a sister restaurant around the corner called Shalom Yal, and we're going to go there and see if we can get in. Shalom Yal. So that's Jewish Southern? Mm-mm. Israeli street food. Israeli street Israeli food. Street okay. Food. So it's right down here. The thing with Portland is if there's a long wait at one place, just go across the street or around the corner, and there's probably going to be another awesome restaurant just waiting for you. So we had a great sunny sidewalk lunch, and after that, we headed two blocks east on Alder. Portland has more food carts than almost any city. I think the the latest count is something like over 500 food carts in downtown Portland, yeah. That's a ton. In the, Portland, in the Portland urban area. There, there's a row of one, two, three, four, f- four or five little re- restaurant huts. Right, what would you call that? that? This is These are the food carts. Oh, so... These are the food carts. For Portland's food carts, you have... There's little seating. There's all kinds of... And the food goes from, like, gourmet soups to all kinds of barbecue, fish and chips, Thai, Vietnamese, poke, you name it. So the are these mobile? Cuz I can't really see the bottom. Well, they they don't move. They I, they are on wheels, but they don't actually move. So in my mind, I'll go to a lot of places and I'll see food trucks everywhere, but this yeah. is a little different. Okay. Yeah, these are food carts and they actually stay here. So the way the city allows this is they're only allowed on parking lots and they can't be fixed structures. That's Tim Harrison. Tim's the research manager for JLL Portland. So you'll take a look and they all are on like cement blocks or wheels and stuff like that so that they're technically movable. But they're here, you know, permanently. Uh, But you'll only find them on like parking lots because they have to be paved you know, designated parking lots. Well, th- this is one of dozens of food cart pods, but this is the most famous food cart pod with the most carts collected in one location. And there's over 40 food cart pods here. And we're at the intersection of 10th and Alder. And there's a lot of people we're walking around, all hanging out, waiting Lots for their orders. You can come... Um, so the, the other thing, Portland is known for sustainability. A lot of people bring their own container to the food cart. There is a, um, a startup here that actually will pick up your um, container and clean it and deliver it back to you. They're call, it's called GoBox. Um, these food cart pods support that business. 
So they'll put their food into your container and it's trying to reduce waste. Right. You subscribe to it, and once you're done eating, they'll pick up your reusable box and clean it out and return it. Yeah, there are certain, there are like containers where you can put them. You put them in, and then you get a new one next time you need it, right? So it's like a subscription service, and, that, and it reduces the plastic waste. This is Whole Bowl. It's a Portland institution. It's vegetarian. Brown rice, beans, a magic sauce, they can't tell you what's in it. Some avocado, cheese, sour cream, and some cilantro, which I always say, hold the cilantro. I'm one of those people. More construction noise right across from the food cart pod is an old, it's called the Cornelius Hotel. It's an old hotel. It's being um, redeveloped to modern 150 rooms. And actually, um, the food cart pod, I, I dare say, heresy, uh, is supposed, is there's our plans for a very large development on this site that would be 35 stories, hotel, condos, and office, about 900,000 square feet. And the community and the developer are trying to work together to find a place to move the food carts to. That is an outstanding issue. So we've walked about half of the food pod so far. It just yeah. keeps it going and about going. A quarter there. Here's more. Here's Lebanese. Here's. Um, and then they tell me what I, I don't even know what. From what I can tell, the number one pastime in Portland is talking with other people about food and restaurants. I was only there for two days, and this happened to me more than once. You're eating a lovely meal in one restaurant while everyone at the table is telling stories about other chefs in other restaurants. They talk about chefs the way people in other cities talk about movie stars and musicians. Many of the restaurant groups and chains that they're talking about are local to the area, but there are some that have national ambitions. So Quickfish is a brand of bamboo sushi, which is next door, and... It's a Portland sushi bar uh, who specialize in sustainable seafood. So all their uh, fish and stuff is sourced using environmentally friendly methods, you know, make sure that it's all on not an endangered list, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Very good, high quality fish, fresh. Um, and now they've just opened this poke bar, so I'm all about that. So have you ever, have you ever been to a bamboo sushi? So it was the first, in 2008, they were the first certified sustainable sushi restaurant. And they are in Seattle, San Francisco, and Denver. And my understanding is the story of Quick Fish is that there was a, like a little hot dog place here. Bamboo Sushi's on the corner. Um, the hot dog place didn't do well. Uh, it went, it closed. And the restaurant owner said we we need more space um, so can we take that over they took it over but it had street frontage and um, the owner of the building said you know we don't want it to be back back of kitchen space we want it to be activated so they said okay what if we use some of the space for prep and stuff but we also try a new concept and that's what this quick fish concept is you walk in and order it's a little poke bowl there are a few little seats but basically it's counter service and then you take it 
Um, and now apparently they got a they got um, some a pretty sizable amount of VC funding to expand the brand. The parent company of Quick Fish and Bamboo Sushi Sustainable Restaurant Group has gotten funding from Bain Capital and Kitchen Fund to expand. In April, they said they'd open 10 locations in two years, mostly in new markets. Like I said before, Portlanders love to talk about chefs. Trisha's favorite story might be the one about Nong. We're going by this um, Nong's Kalmangai. I love this story. You see oh, that, that little so that there? little yeah. it's a it's a like this it's a a yellow almost shack. Wait, is it just that little one on the left? Yes, so it's a it. little yellow hut with a red door. Yes. Nong's Kalmangai. Right. And that is the story of Nong came here with $70 in her pocket when she was like 23 years old. She's one chopped she now has, um, there's a brick and mortar store around the corner. We're going to go see that in a little bit. She has two brick and mortar stores. She has three food carts and she bottles her sauce and sells it in stores now. She makes one dish and one dish only, chicken and rice. And that's it. So we're going to now go um, down this little strip between Washington and um, Alder. This little strip has a ton of local boutiques or lo companies that started here locally. So we're gonna start with one winkle, which actually is a Dutch word that means living shop. And they do home goods. It's owned by two Portland women. And it's just cute little home knickknacks and furniture and that kind of thing. Tender Loving Empire, this is cool. Okay, so Tender Loving Empire is an independent record label and local handcraft concept store. And it's based here. So they do, I don't know how it's a record label in a store, but it is, that's what I'm told. Okay, on the corner is Wild Fang, which is one of my own personal favorite stores and stories about Portland. It was established in 2013 by two women that were designers at Nike, and they are wanted, they sort of favor menswear, and they couldn't find anything that fit properly. So they decided that they should, that, that they would found a store based on uh, the premise that a woman has a right to menswear. And they sell clothes, but they also have a social mission to um, be involved in um, the local community and in support of women's rights. And one of their sort of signature articles is a t-shirt that says Wild Feminist on it. They have a huge online presence. They have two stores in Portland. They have a store in New York. And they just signed a lease for a store in L.A. Cool. Let's go. Let's yeah. go in. They have a special edition Wild Feminist shirt for Pride, which I think is really cool. And the Wild Fe Feminist um, shirt is sort of their signature shirt, and there are lots of um, celebrities that wear them. And they also have one that says Tomboy, which I think is kind of cute. Portland has started its share of new and noteworthy national brands, like Salt and Straw or Voodoo Donut but there's an old school vibe to the city as well. 
After all, Portland is where McCormick and Schmicks and the old spaghetti factory got their starts. And the West End has these historic retail spots that are seemingly frozen in time. And across the street is a Portland institution, Jake's famous crawfish. Jake's has been, is one of the oldest continually operating restaurants in Portland. It was originally established in 1892. In 1972, Bill McCormick, someone named Bill McCormick, who became McCormick and Schmick's, bought the hotel and he hired a guy named Doug Schmick to manage and they later formed McCormick and Schmick's. And Jake's has been around forever. You go in there, it's old wood, it's, there's pictures of famous people on the walls that are uh, old enough that I don't know who they are, um, but really fresh seafood. Every day the menu changes, um, and that's a Portland institution. So the bar just looks like an old-timey right. saloon. Right, and if you're a local, you go in the bar because you don't need a reservation, and they have a blue plate special. They still have a blue plate special, and sometimes it's you know, wild-caught wild caught salmon and mashed potatoes and green beans, and it's super reasonably priced. This place looks so old school. It I love it. very old school. Right? Wow. Old wood booths. We walked around the block and came to a building that was totally modern, in complete contrast to Jake's. The building is called 12 West, and it's home to Indigo at 12 West Apartments. And it is one of the other catalytic projects that happened in the West End. It was developed in 2009. It is 23 stories, about 275 high-end apartments. Uh, Then there's four stories of office, and the first level is retail. And fun fact, um, the building has four wind turbines on the roof, and this is the building that um, you can see it. It's it's pretty iconic because of the wind turbines. It is, my understanding, the first um, urban wind farm in the U.S. On the corner is Blue Star Donuts. Blue Star is opened in 2012, and it's gourmet donuts. Uh, and the CEO is named Katie Poppy. She's opened over 30 restaurants, and... Uh, Her brands are Boxer Ramen and Little Big Burger. Um, And uh, they now have nine Blue Star locations in Portland and two in L.A. And we're going to go in there and sample the wares. Oh, I love it. Yes. You're speaking my language. Mexican hot chocolate. Spicy strawberry cake. And my favorite is the Cointreau Creme Brulee. And they brulee it right after you order it and then there's a little pipette of Cointreau I don't usually drink that because it's breakfast but the donut is incredible do you want to drink the pipette of Cointreau is that liquor yeah I guess do you get carded when you buy that donut no (laughs) you can have that now Tim would have gotten carded you're supposed to pipe it into the cream in the middle okay or you could just drink it alright well I'll just drink it Mm, very sweet is it yeah. So it, they do special kind of dough, and they make a batch at night, and it has to proof for 24 hours. So they make as much as they think they'll need. They start making the donuts the next day. They open at 7, and they close when they run out of the dough. 
and they don't make any more. And that's the way it works. So they don't have posted hours, except that they open at seven, and that's it. When they run out of donuts, they run out of donuts. And then we're gonna go to Ruby Jewel, which is um, an ice cream store. Um, and it started with a woman selling ice cream sandwiches out of a cooler at the farmer's market. And it's artisan ice cream and cookies together to make ice cream sandwiches. Um, oh, they're ice cream sandwiches? Yeah. Oh, you can also get just scoops of ice cream, but they're known for their ice cream sandwiches. And they now have three locations. They're also going into grocery stores. The Ruby Jewel ice cream sandwiches wrapped, packaged in the grocery stores. And you can smell, it smells so good in here. They make all their own cookies and cones. You can pick the cookie and pick the ice cream and they'll make it for you here. Look at a new, a new offering together at long last, donut ice cream sandwiches in partnership with Blue Star. I guess you pick your donut and then you pick your ice cream. Who doesn't want that? In addition to Trisha and Tim, my third tour guide was Karen. Karen Bustide is based in Portland, and she works with retailers leasing space all over the U.S. So she had a unique perspective, and I wanted to know what it's like working in retail real estate in Portland as compared with other cities. The biggest difference for Portland is the urban growth boundary. They only let uh, more land into the urban growth boundary every 25 years, and the majority of the land coming in uh, in the last round was residential and industrial. And so there's very little room for new development. So we see a lot of retrofitting of existing real estate. There's an enormous amount of repurposing of, you know, smaller buildings, even on the suburban markets. So uh, Metro is a re our regional government, and they draw the line around, and the line is supposed to include enough growth for 20 years. And they reevaluate it every five years, and they have what we call urban reserves. So areas at the edge of the line that are in reserves and they're considered every five years, should they be brought in or, or do they stay as a reserve? Um, and that urban growth boundary has really meant um, very purposeful urbanization and development, right, in the Portland metro area. Uh, to protect the farmland, but also to keep, um, uh, to leverage the in investment that we make in infrastructure so that um, the streets and the roads and where people live is near where they work and we don't just keep spreading out. Yeah. So there's Union Way, which is, I think, one of the cutest little hidden gems in Portland. It's an alley that um, the developer created within the building, and we're going to talk to him in a little bit. Um, and uh, there's these little micro shops in there. And that's so that, it looks like just the entrance to a store, but you're saying there's an alley down there? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's where our shave ice is, which is the most important thing of the day, in my mind. What's the name of the shave ice? Wailua. Wailua shave ice. Now, is that a common Hawaiian word that I should know about? Wailuau? Wailuau. Wailua? Wailua. I love anything that has the foam on it and toasted coconut. 
the foam? Yeah, it's called hopia foam. Hopia foam, okay. Hopia foam, and it's like coconutty deliciousness. You can get just the shave ice, or you can get the shave ice where they bury a scoop of vanilla ice cream under the shave ice, and it's a super good surprise while you're eating it. As we waited for our shaved ice, a good little crowd formed in that tiny store and then spilled out into the alley called Union Way. My guess is it's not just locals that are eating all this shaved ice. The West End seems to be pulling in a lot of visitors. According to Tricia, more visitors are on the way. I think I mentioned there are probably four hotels under development within the West End. Um, either underway now or proposed. So I think that in the next five years, you'll see more foot traffic uh, because of the hospitality industry that's growing here. Wow. Looking back on this map, I can't believe we did it. We covered all of the hot spots on Trisha's map, and we had some extra time to sit back and savor the shaved ice. If you ask an artist what helps them create, you might be surprised to learn that many of them like constraints. If you give an artist a blank canvas, maybe they just hem and haw and never actually get anywhere. But if you give them an assignment and a deadline, you know you're going to get something unique. Portland's constraints around new development force developers to get creative with infill and adaptive reuse projects. Union Way, that unique little retail alley, it's a good example of creating within constraints. Union Way and another retail development in West End called Black Box were both developed by a company called Project. We met up with a partner at Project, Jonathan Ledesma. Jonathan told us that developing for urban retail in Portland is not without its unique challenges. You can hear our conversation with Jonathan on next week's episode of Where We Buy. Subscribe to Where We Buy on whatever app you use for podcast listening. I bet you were out shopping in Portland or Austin or L.A. or New York, and you saw something and you were like, wow, that is really cool. Well, we want to know about it. Leave a message on the Where We Buy hotline and we'll use it on an upcoming show. Give us a call at 602-633-4061. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. Last week, I sat down with Selena Knight on her podcast, Bringing Business to Retail. We talked about the ways that retailers can attract customers to their stores. The episode is titled, Six Key Areas to Maximize to Bring in Customers. And the show, again, is Bringing Business to Retail. You should check it out. I've got two events coming up that are on the calendar. I love meeting up with people in person. The first is the ICSC Research Connections Conference. The conference runs from October 28th through the 30th in downtown Los Angeles. I'm going to be moderating a panel on the 30th about virtual reality and digital entertainment. I'm also going to be doing a panel in New York at the ICSC New York conference. Uh, It's a panel about how technology is changing the grocery industry. It's on December 5th at 10 a.m. at the Javits Center. For more information on either of those conferences, just give them a Google. 
ICSC Research Connections Conference, or ICSC New York Dealmaking. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a solid. Tell a friend or colleague about it. Show them how to subscribe. If you want to see more retail research, you can go to jllretail.com and click on Retail Intelligence. Our theme music is Run in the Night by The Good Lords under Creative Commons license. Take a bite. Mm. Oh, good. Colada, and then I've got Orange Dream here. So good, James. And it's going to fall. That's like cloud. It's like heaven. <sighs> it's so different. I was expecting like Rita's water ice. Do you know that? Yeah. In Philly? This nope. is totally different. Yeah. Has this actual real mm. shave ice. Oh, Try man. the foam, James. Okay. See What's... what the foam looks like. <laughs> Try the foam, James. All right, so we just got a quick tour of Jake's, which we couldn't record. But uh, what was the most unique thing that we just saw? Uh, We saw a trough in front of the bar where um, the waitress told us that it, before, when women were not allowed to come into the bar, the men would be at the bar and they would just relieve themselves in that trough that is in front of the bar. And it's still there. It's now, still there. it's not in use, no. but we saw it, people, yes. <laughs> and that exists. <laughs>